Hello and welcome to the Carers Link Lowdown, a podcast for carers in Eastern Barnshire. My name's Katie and I'm your host today. And for those of you who've listened before, I'm flying solo. John's not with us today, um, but we do have some other voices that you will hear as we're going through. Today, I'm joined by some of our some of the young adult carers that we support. So a young adult carer is anyone aged between 16 and 25. Um, and the theme of it today is transitions. So that's all those changes in life that recently a lot of us have been facing, but under normal circumstances, it's it's younger people face more, more transitions. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. And in particular, we're going to be focusing on transitions between education and work and employability and all the different options and support that there is out there for people who are making those changes in their lives. So we've got three young adult carers. So we've got Jessica, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jessica and I am a young adult carer for my younger sister um, and I am at university studying biomedical science right now. Um, we have Stephen. Uh, hi, I'm Stephen. I am a young adult carer for my younger brother and I'm currently working in apprenticeship in IT. And Lauren. Hi, I'm Lauren. I am a young adult carer for my mum and I have just started a new role in Direct Line three young adult carers and we also have um, a couple of not young adults don't mean to be rude to them thank you Katie <laughs> a slight, slightly older <laughs> so Jan hi I'm Jan and I work with Carers Link um, and support young adult carers in 16 to 25 um, in their caring role but also in transition from school into colleges universities and also um, a lot of focus on employability and employment as well Thank you. And we have another Steve, but we're going to call him Stevie today. So Stevie, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, thanks, Katie. Yeah, um, I've, I'm a volunteer with uh, Carers Link and I've got over 20 years experience in employability. And over the last sort of 18 months, I've been helping Jan out now and again and discussing, you know, employability issues for young adult carers and trying to support them. Jan, do you want to give us a, a quick kind of rundown of the kinds of things that, that you're dealing with in terms of young adult carers? And then we'll go to the specifics of, uh, of the people we've got here today. Yeah, I, I think in normal times, um, we had we've organised groups. Um, so we would work with young adult carers in their caring role. But a lot of our focus is on finishing school and supporting them to get into colleges and universities um, and also help them look for employment or vacancies. So we have a, a wide range of things that go on. Um, obviously, the last year has been really difficult um, because we haven't been able to meet as groups. So all the things that we've done have been on a one-to-one, supporting them in this time. Um, and I think what, which has been really interesting is the fact that some of them have now started university but have never actually been to the university. You know, everything has been online. It's all been remote. So it's been a a different way of dealing with things, but we've been able to support them, speak to them on a weekly basis, monthly basis, and support them through any issues that they're having with getting into employment or further education. What kinds of issues are there? Can you generalise as the kind of issues that young carers, young adult carers find particularly tricky that may be different for, for other people? Well, I think 
looking at the last year, I think sort of focusing on that at the moment has been difficult. Some of our young adult carers have found themselves in full-time care roles where carers aren't able to come in. So it's to support them to make sure that they're being able to get time for themselves to be able to move on and, and like I say, into university and colleges and things. Schools, so everybody's been doing working remotely. So we've been able to keep in touch with them um, and make sure that they're okay because at the end of the day, anybody's caring for somebody, and we all know this, if they're not happy and they're struggling, then that makes a big difference to how they're going to progress and how they're going to move on and what they want to do and achieve their goals. So there's been a big focus this year on doing that. In normal times, when they would be out meeting with their peers, they would be supported by different organisations. It's been such an, a time where they've been by themselves. And I think that's where we've been able to just be there to listen, to, to be able to contact them and always be at the end of the phone if they really needed us. Jessica, you're at university. How? When did you start? Did you start during the pandemic? Yeah, so I started first year. Um, it was it was October, so our start date was pushed back from September to October. I think they were kind of hoping that by that point we might be able to get into the uni, but that's not happened. But yeah, so I started finished school in March, and then had nothing to do until I started uni in October. And how did you find moving into university as, as a young adult carer and, and your responsibilities there? It was, I think it was harder because of the pandemic, because we were at home. Um, so like the whole family was at home, people working at home, trying to cope with then moving back into school and um, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was, it was hard to find like a mom like find peace in the house to do things and um my sister is in high school but she refused to go at points so it would be she'd be in the house as well and then um it, it got quite hard at points and um I, I struggled with my mental health as well at the start but as soon as like kind of got to grips with the whole um like a routine and I got into it and everything it was all right and also I'm quite lucky because I have two parents who take on the most, like the most kind of the brunt of the caring work. So I'm, it's, I always say I've kind of got more of an understanding caring role. Like I just need to understand that in our house and our family, things work slightly differently to how it does in my friends' families. Do you know that's such an interesting point? At what point did you realise that it was different? So my sister has autism. So we got the diagnosis when she was in first year so she's that's that was about four years ago now um so it was kind of it was probably that point I didn't know I was a young carer until about two or three years ago probably two years ago um and even then I was like I was talking to people and they had like I, I think I'm kind of at the the point where um my family isn't like a, your normal run-of-the-mill family but it's not a family where there's an intense caring capacity so it's kind of I'm kind of in the middle of the the spectrum of families mm-hmm. I think because no family is really normal and, but so I guess the way to think about it is a spectrum of families kind of in the middle um and probably it was probably when I just after I became a young carer or found out I was a young carer um that I realized that my family was slightly different and had to work slightly differently to other people's 
Stephen, you you are also a, a carer for for a sibling. Yeah. Um. So how how have you found that, particularly in terms of you know the effect it might have on on you moving between school and, and apprenticeships and all the rest of it? I've had moments where my little brother would just want me to spend time with him in that, but it's whilst I've been trying to work for my apprenticeship, so it's trying to almost get not get him to understand but like also help him just make sure he's got something to do and also work around the basically apprenticeship that I have so I do find ways to get it done but there is that sort of little struggle now and again. And um, How long have you been doing your apprenticeship for? It will be going on three months now. So you, so it's quite a quite recent change? Yeah. Um, did you get any support from Carers Link in, in making that change at all? Jan was there to, because I had left school early and Jan had helped to advise me just further like what I was would do afterwards and that. So yes, there was help getting into it and that, yeah. Yeah, and Stephen did really well because um, Stephen, you actually applied for the forces, didn't you, yeah, did. initially? Um, and we had a long chat about, you know, should, it's difficult to get into any of the forces. We all know that the, the procedure is quite difficult. And we had a long chat about what we would do if he wasn't accepted. Um, and when he wasn't, that was when we had lots of information and you decided to start looking other places. And he's got into a really good um, company called Tigers, who you'll do a 26-week placement with. And they'll help with the certificate at the end of it and also apprenticeship and also help him get employment at the end of it. So he's going to do really well. Um, and whether he applies to the forces is, again, I'm not sure. Will you, Stephen, try again later? Uh, by the looks of it, I won't be able to. <laughs> so what made you decide on, on IT then? Is that is that an interest you've had or was it yeah. what options there were? It, it was more an interest that I've already had to begin with. And are you finding it a, a good experience doing the apprenticeship? Uh, yeah, it's opened me up a lot more to a subject that I did enjoy. Are you working from home in your apprenticeship or do you, do you go uh, into a... To begin with, we worked basically like uh, just now in, in a Zoom call, just talking, going, going over a PowerPoint. But now we go in two days a week we'll go in and do more in-person work. Do you prefer going in is that or do you prefer working at home? I would say going in and actually having that face-to-face -face with the mentor that we've got is a lot better because there is that almost personal connection between these. Uh-huh so Dan in terms of apprenticeships how how easy is it how many apprenticeships are there out and, out and about at the moment? Well, we're starting to see them now, Katie. Um, obviously, last year was really difficult because um, companies, a lot of people were in furlough, a, a lot of people working from home, so that was a wee bit difficult. We're certainly seeing jobs coming in now and apprenticeships. I think companies like Tigers do really well because um, and there's lot, there are other providers out there, not just Tigers. There's the Pathways. I'm not sure if that's what you're doing at the moment, Stephen. Is it part of the Pathways one? Yeah, Pathways was a new one that they brought in to kind of work around the whole lockdown. 
that's now changed, that's now finished. So that, that will continue for the people who have started it, but it's, it will be finished now. But there are other options for them. Um, and the good thing about some of these providers is that they will give them the experience and they will put them out into different areas so that they can also get experience of work. But at the end of it, hopefully we will help them find work. And Stephen and I have already spoken about this. So when he finishes, we'll already be starting to look for things months before so that we'll see if there's any job opportunities there for them. Right, Stevie, you want to come in there? Yeah, just, just uh, sort of backing up what uh, Jan was saying and picking up what Jessica was saying and Stephen um, about the pandemic having a, a big effect on, on you, you know, how you feel about the world and the way things are. Um, I did a bit of interesting research myself because I didn't know how many jobs there are now available to, to, to young people and to anybody who's looking for a job. And um, the, the figures actually... 547,000 job vacancies in the UK um, and then you can break that down to a local level but I thought there was a lot more jobs that had gone because of the pandemic and that has a real negative impact on you when you are looking to set out in your career and, and it's, it's, it's maybe a bit more encouraging to know that there are still lots of employers out there looking for, for good people. And um, there are actually now opportunities that I would be looking at if I was setting out in my career that I wouldn't have thought about before. And I picked up what you said, Stephen, about thinking about the armed forces and then moving into IT. So what you're doing there is you're being flexible about what, what's available to you and what could be available to you over the, over the next few years. And I think that having that flexibility is, is, a, is a great backup. Uh, is to have a second and third option just in case the first one doesn't work. And I want to add that it's the armed forces lost that they don't have you. Absolutely. Lauren, he's kind of got left till a bit last. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but So you, you and I are working for, for Direct Line. Is that quite recently that you've started working for them? Yeah, so I started on the 14th of September last year and I'd, I'd applied in the June um, I'd recently left like my previous job in the March just before like lockdown happened. My mental health took a really bad dip and I just felt very, very unhappy. I didn't want to be there. And I applied for a direct line in June. I got through all the interview stages and then I got a phone call from basically our big boss saying that, no, we're, we're wanting to take you on um, the start date September. So I ended up leaving my previous job. I handed in my notice and I started there. And it was a big change because I've always used to been face-to-face doing training, whereas everything was all online now. So it was like a lot of Zoom calls and conference calls and like screen sharing. So it was a bit different to what I've previously been used to, but I love it. I love working from home. Like I wouldn't Uh change it. I know this is is an audio only, but I don't know. It seems like you're sitting on a very posh chair, Lauren, is that? Yeah provided for you this is no this is actually my gaming chair (laughs) yeah this is my gaming chair it's very very comfy so I do use that for work as well um but because I'm sitting down for like nine hours a day um Uh and it's like it is constant calls because like where I work I'm an emergency breakdown line I work for green flag um so I've got to be like on the ball trying to help people as best as I can and I think that's one thing that I did want to continue doing like I, I love helping people 
um, but it was just a bit of a change. Like I can still help people, but I'm doing it from the comfort of my own home. Just just to add on to that, um, you know, the pandemic, I think, um, is going to change all our uh, working lifestyles uh, forever. I think a lot of companies will be looking at trying to have people work from home part-time and have a hub and a base to go to two or three days a week. And I think for you guys and the caring role that you you have, that, that will that might be a positive that will come out of all this, that you'll be able to have that flexibility to be able to work from home and you know carry out your caring role um, as well as trying to generate a career for yourself. So there might be something positive that does come out of this uh, tough time that we're all going through. I mean, Dan, have you found that in terms of the jobs that are coming up? Are they are they working from home? Are they working in offices or shops or what? I next to Katie. And so we've got quite a few that are looking for jobs at the moment. So that's what I've been doing, trying through all the jobs the last few days. And there's just such a big mixture. I think the workforce, as we've seen it in the past, will have completely changed now. And I think there'll be so many people that will work from home and maybe work from home part of the week and maybe in the office other days. But I think there'll be a big shift on how people now spend their week in offices and things. I think that'll be completely different. I think in Lauren's case, and I think we've worked quite closely together, Lauren obviously helps care for her mum and does an amazing job. And I think this job has really suited her. It's, it's taken away that, in this pandemic, it's taken away that fear of being away all the time. So she's able to mix both, you know, care for mum, but also meet her potential because, um, you know, she's got a great career ahead of her. So this is why we, I think this is what will happen. I think a lot of people will see themselves working from home um, or out you know, maybe some days in the office, some days at home or whatever. Okay, I was just wondering, is there any, in terms of top tips for those of you, so Jessica and Stephen and Lauren, in terms of, you know, having made the changes that you've made, do you have any tips that you would, would share or with, with other people? Um, Lauren, should we start with you, since we left you to last before? <laughs> yeah, I would always say, like, go with whatever's, whatever you feel right to do. Like, i done it. And it was the best thing that has ever happened to me. If you're not happy somewhere, you can change it. Like, if you're not happy in a job, there's loads. Like there is loads of people hiring, and I, like, I still look at jobs just to see what's out there. And there is a few. It just depends what you want to do, really. And keep an eye out for Direct Line because we do always hire as well. If anyone's interested, you work for Direct Line, but you work for Green Flag. So is, is yeah. Green Flag a subsidiary now of, of Direct yeah, Line? Yeah, so Direct Line's called an umbrella company. Um, so the Green Flag's like under Direct Line. It's same with like like Churchill. Um, so they're all underneath Direct Line. Um, so we deal with the breakdown side, but there's a lot of like there's a lot of room to to move up as well. Um, which is another reason why I took this job and everybody's great. Like every manager that I've spoke to has been so, so helpful. They're always there for you. They understand like my caring role. Like um, I have had conversations with like my manager to say that I feel more comfortable working from home just because I'm always worried about leaving my mum because she ends up falling and I couldn't leave her. Um, So no, like they are very, very understanding. If, they've got, if you've got something going on in your life, they're very, very understanding that way. I'm just thinking, following up on that, Jan, in terms of, of you know, working with your employer, is, is there 
any advice that you would give to people who, you know, obviously their caring role, some people might feel they, they don't want their employer maybe to know about their caring role, but have you, what's your experience on that? Yeah, it's, it's a really individual thing, Katie. I think that's entirely up to the individual what they do. I always say to them when we're chatting, whether it's at college or university or whether it's at work, if you can if you can get one person that you can speak to about what you do, nobody can help you um, if you haven't had days off or there's maybe an emergency at home. If you don't, just confide in one person, say to them why that might happen. Some people are quite open and they'll be quite happy to tell them they do care for somebody. It's not something we should be ashamed of. They do a great job. These young people have been an absolute inspiration through this pandemic. And um, we've had lots of them get jobs after finishing university. Some have decided to go back and do teaching um, after finishing their degree. Jessica, you've got a job. You just secured a job as well in, in doing a degree as well. So, you know, it, there's a big mix of things that go on, but really that's up to the individual. But I would always say to confide in somebody so they know what's going on. Okay, so Jessica, do you have any any tips though, or advice that you think might help other people? I think the main thing, and it goes for all aspects of life, is you just need to tell people what you need um, and figure out what it is you need to whether it's like a certain type of support or a certain amount of time that you need just for you or whatever it is, you just need to work it out what you think you need and then ask for it um, because people are willing to help you. If you tell them what you need, they'll more than likely to give it to you or help you get it. They can't help you if they don't know exactly. that you need anything. So. Yep. Yeah. And Stephen, what about you? Is there anything you've from your experiences that you think would be positive to share with other people? Uh, I'd probably say, kind of going off what Jessica said there, that you shouldn't really be afraid to ask for help. Because uh, besides from Jan helped me a lot, I also had a careers advisor that my school connected me with, which really helped me just to also help show me what's out there and what I could go for. So ask for help. And be proud of being a young carer if, 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 you know, because I think, or young adult carer, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole load of skills and, and, and experience that you get from being a young adult carer that you can bring to a job. I think, you know, when you, and I don't know, maybe Stevie, in terms of CVs, and um, uh, CVs might be a bit old fashioned now, but. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think they still get used. I think, the, I think they're still out there. I would look at, I always uh, give the advice that if you you look at a CV as a sales document and it's uh, it's selling you to any prospective employer. Um, and we've had discussions before with young adult carers and Jan about whether it should be on the CV or not. Um, and my opinion, it's only my opinion, is that it should be on your CV and it should be discussed with an employer. Because if an employer doesn't appreciate the type of role that you have and uh, the job that you're already doing um, then and they don't want to acknowledge that or to try and be flexible enough to employ you then maybe you don't want to work for that employer and um, I would always encourage as Jan said to speak to at least one person let them make them aware of of, of what your situation is um, I know that can't be easy sometimes but and when it comes to CVs again you know there's um, they still get used and, and employers are still looking for people to send in spec speculative letters, speculative CVs, because a lot of the times 
they 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 are advertising, um, but they're also looking for someone to contact them and stand out from the crowd. So if you can make a CV that's really personable and stands out and it lands in a manager's desk who's recruiting, I think you'll find that um, there are times when you will receive contact from the employer. And um, even if they're not recruiting at that time, you will be kept um, for, fu- for future vacancies. And I think it's worth spending a bit of time and putting a good CV together uh, and spend a bit of time on it and, and try and update it as much as you can as well and add things to it. And I would also add in, there's a lot of things that you think, well, I'm only 16 or I'm only 17. What can I put in a CV? But if you think about all the, the stuff that you do, you may have a hobby, you may even run a business uh, from home. You may have lots of interests that you can add onto your CV that stand out and sell yourself on it. Don't be frightened to sell yourself on it. Um, I think traditionally British people tend not to be as bold as, say, the Americans. Um, but I think um, selling yourself on the CV and standing out isn't a bad thing when it comes to trying to get yourself in a job when there's maybe 20 or 30 other people who are applying for the same vacancy. So don't don't be frightened. Do you know, that, the, the talk about speculative CVs kind of reminds me or makes me think about LinkedIn. I don't know, Jan, do you, do you encourage any of the young adult carers to use LinkedIn as a, a way of getting themselves out there? Yeah, but we, we do, you know, we do all that work with them around that. You know, everything that we do in, is around LinkedIn, LinkedIn up and Everything that we do is supporting them in that anyway, you know, so we would, um, do you mean to, to direct them to it? Yes. Yeah, whether, because I'm just thinking, because one of my daughters keeps telling me how she's on LinkedIn and she keeps getting people headhunting her and offering her jobs. So I just, I don't know. Where I think I'm... there's quite a few. I mean, I think most of us are on um, and I think there are quite a few are on, but I think some of them are still quite young as well. And it depends on the type of work they're right. looking for. But I'm the same as Stephen, and I think we're, we're maybe a bit old, old school as well, Stevie, but I think um, although, Steve, although CVs are not as important for employers now, I, I saw you saying, yes, it was one, but I think even to have all your information in one document yeah. to keep with you. So even if you're filling in application forms or you know, you've got to speak to somebody, you keep it all quite tight and it's with you all the time instead of trying to have to look things up and, and try and find stuff. So we're quite passionate about them having the CDs or all their information together um, when we're working with them. And I think it's to, you know, we want them to get to the next stage. We want, we're really passionate about making, hoping that they meet their goals, you know, of what they want to do in the future. So, um, and also to continue supporting them in their caring role as well. Yeah. I don't know about anyone else, but I used to get very nervous before I went for interviews and even sitting outside the waiting area um, or doing an online um, uh, interview. But having your CV next to you kind of was like a security blanket because when they were asking questions, you could look at your CV and, and, and even things like your email address or your mobile phone number, if it's just changed, then it's handy to just to have that there next to you. And I used to do um, interviews for quite a large company. And I was always impressed when somebody would come in and they'd have a CV with them and they laid it down in front of me and and they kept a copy for themselves. And that was a nice way to to break the ice as well. And there's lots of little things you could do to make make life a, a little bit easier for yourself when you're trying to find a job because it's not easy trying to find a job. Easy actually um, helped me with my CV. I think it was... 
Probably two years ago. Was it now. as long as that, Jessica? Um, My probably God. because I mean it's been a year over a year since the pandemic. That's right. Maybe not. Maybe a year and a half or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, and so that really helps me with my jobs application. So I applied for a um, and got a job as an NHS twenty four call handler. Oh, brilliant! Um, and so that that really helps having like everything on my CV with all the stuff that was important and trying to selling myself. So then transferring it into the application form was so much easier yeah. um, because I had it all there already. And I'd also been, CV and Jan had given me the confidence to say everything you've done is good. That will That is favourable for employers. They want to see all that. That gives you all these skills that they want. Absolutely. Um, and so that really helps me. And then also I had it next to me in my interview because I was very, I was very nervous. It was over a screen as well. It was, I don't, I think I would, I'm more an in-person person, so I feel yeah. like I would have been less nervous if I was actually physically face-to-face with them rather than over a screen. Well, congratulations, Jessica. That's superb. Thank you. Evie, you helped me with my CV as well a few years ago as well. Did I learn? And that, you did. And that was the CV that I used to to apply for the job oh, in direct line. And you got that. Oh, that, um, that, that. That has absolutely made my day. Do you know that? It has made my day. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we were. I think we were all there that night. I think we had yeah. about twelve people, yeah. and I'm sure yeah. Stephen was there as well. So it does work, and I think being together and helping each other to do these things does work. And um, I think what's happened, and we hope to set up some employability groups every month. I think people are getting a bit weary of Zoom now, yeah. and so we've been doing it more on a one-to-one, and hope that in the next month or so we can start getting these groups together and then maybe in the next month after that we'll be able to get together as a group which will be good and it would be good for you you guys as well to maybe come along and chat to some of these people that are still looking for jobs it would be really helpful and and to let them see that it can be done because there are jobs out there at the moment which is I think that's a, a really positive note to end on, Jan. Thank you. So if there are any young adult carers out there who want help with, with employability or, or moving to university or anything like that, then please do get in touch with us. Um, then, you know, maybe you'll be able to come along to one of these groups in, in the summer and, and meet, meet in person um, and, and get the support. Because I do think, I think that peer support of seeing people who've, who've been it, seen it and done it recently is, is really helpful in, yeah. in terms of... Um, moving things forward so thank you thank you Jan thank you Stevie thank you Jessica thank you Stephen and thank you Lauren it's been a really good chat and I've appreciated all your inputs and your honesty as well Um, and I think um, for in terms of moving forward for the podcasts I actually I'm hoping to be able to do a podcast in the near future about technology and dementia and how there's so much assistive technology out there that can help people with dementia so listeners keep keep listening out for that i'll let you know when it's available um so thank you very much and good night everyone well done guys